Thank you so much. If you got your Bibles, let's go to Psalm chapter 51. We're studying that the month of November. We've titled it Area 51. We know that we can go out to Nevada and you can go out to where the military base is, Area 51 it's called. If you are to enter into those grounds, they, that we were told that they know everything that is coming and going. We know a lot of our new military technology and all that's going on is developed in Area 51. Well, we're praying in Psalm 51 that we're going to be walking so close to the Lord that we will know that the Lord knows everything that is coming and going in our life. Psalm 51. Somebody tell me real quick, who wrote Psalm 51? David wrote Psalm 51. Next say, how many Psalms do we know for sure that David wrote? Out of all the Psalms, how many do we know for sure he wrote? Seventy-three. We know for sure without any arguing, without any uh, question at all, we know that David wrote 73 of the psalm. I, I think the reason why we enjoy the psalm so much because we can relate to them. I mean, in the psalms there, praising the Lord, we can relate to praising the Lord. In psalms, we can, we can relate to heartache, can't we? Psalms 51, I think we can really relate to it because it's a psalm of repentance. He's repenting. It's a psalm after he committed that horrible sin. We know, most time when we think about David, we think about his greatest moment and we think about his worst moment. Psalm 51 is, he is repenting from that horrible moment. He was supposed to be at war, and he wasn't at war. Instead of being at war, he was on top of the palace, and he saw Bathsheba taking a bath. All of a sudden, he sent somebody to get Bathsheba. She came up to the palace. We know what happened, that they were physically intimate. We know that she became pregnant. Now she's pregnant. Now he goes and gets off the battlefield where David should have been. He goes and gets Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. He comes home. He did not go to the house, though. Instead, he slept outside of the palace door to take care of David. So he had to solve the problem. What do I do? He puts your eye on the front lines in the heat of the battle, has everybody pull back. Remember, he is killed. Now, Nathan, the prophet of God, tells him a story. And as David hears that story that Nathan gives, he becomes angry. And then Nathan says, Well, David, you are that person, you're the man. And now enters Psalms 51. Does anybody remember how much time passes from the time Nathan confronts him over his sin to the writing of Psalm 51? How much time? One year. One year went by, and what are we doing with Psalm 51 this month? We are reading the psalm every day. So let me ask you, are you reading Psalms 51 every day? 
All right, some of you are, some of you haven't. If you haven't taken that challenge on, you can start today. For the rest of the month of November, read Psalms 51 every day. Second thing, are we not only read it every day, but every time we what? Every time we sin, we want to read Psalms 51. So, for most of us, are, are we reading it more than once a day? Uh, yes. So, we're reading it every day. We want to read it when we sin, saying, God, have mercy upon us, O God, according to who He is. Uh, the third thing is, we're trying to memorize 19 verses of Scripture. Uh, how are y'all doing on memorizing 19 verses of Scripture? Are anybody finding it hard like I am? I, I keep reading it. I'm reading it. I, I mean, I've got about four different copies of this half sheet of paper, and everywhere I'm going, I, I'm leaving them, so I'm constantly trying to memorize it. I mean, my Mary Beth really embarrassed me this week. For our family devotional time, we haven't read it every night, but we're trying to read it a lot for our family devotional. I started reading it. I, I, I mean, I've, I've got a little bit of it memorized. Then Mary Beth, I mean, I'm starting to read it, and the next thing I know, she is just going verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. I'm going, I'm going to get you to be young again, right? But we all need to be memorizing Scripture. Look at Psalms 51, verse 12. Here's, here's our... This is what I'm calling the Thanksgiving challenge. Here's the Thanksgiving challenge for you today. Pursue joy, not happiness. So here is your challenge between now and next Sunday morning. When you're eating your turkey, you're eating like I am my third piece of pecan pie. Here's the challenge I really want you to get today. Pursue joy, not happiness. As a matter of fact, let's get it really personal. If I were to bring on stage the people who know you better than anybody, who's the two or three people that know you better than anybody? I mean, those people that know what you're about to say even before you say it? Who are those two or three people that know you so well that you can look across the room and you can talk to each other just by the way you look at each other? Who are those two or three people that really know you well? Let's picture, I bring those two to three people up here and I give them the challenge. Here's the challenge. In one word... I want you to describe that person. If I were to bring the two to three closest people of your life and they had one word to describe you, what one word would they describe you? How many of you might be described as grumpy? Or would they describe you as generous? Would they describe you the one word? Hey, I got one word to describe you. Worrier. One word, faithful. One word, 
Here's my prayer for us. The Thanksgiving challenge, pursue joy and not happiness. The one word I want your family next Sunday morning that they could say that they could say about you is joyful. There is something about being around somebody that is joyful. Would y'all not to say, when you're around somebody that has joy, it's really attractive, isn't it? As a matter of fact, I want us to be so full of joy in Jesus that we are attractive to our heavenly Father. Let me state that again. I want us to be so full of the joy of Jesus that people are attracted to our heavenly Father because they see the joy in us. One of the things with our four children throughout the years, we've had a lot of people in our home and a lot of friends in our home. It's kind of like at times that we seem like a revolving door with people just coming and going in our home and their friends coming and going. But I can't tell you how many times their friends have said this. We wish we could live in your home because your home has peace and joy. We wish we could live in your home with you because you have so much peace and joy in your home. This week, let's ask God to restore our joy. Look what it says, Proverbs, I mean Proverbs, Psalms 51 verse 12. What does it say? Restore to me the what? Joy. Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Joy is attractive. Joy is something beautiful. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Do you remember the joy that you had when you got saved? Do you remember the the joy that you had that when you knew that your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life? Do you remember the joy to know that nothing can blot you out of the kingdom of God? As a matter of fact, the word joy or joyful is used 250 times in the Bible. The word rejoice is used 200 times in the Bible. So 450 times in the Bible, it it tells us to be joyful or to be rejoicing. Can I tell you, you've got something to have joy about. If you are a Christ follower, your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life and nothing can erase it. I don't know about you, but that's some joy. I don't know about you, but it's some joy that my God loved me so much that he sent his son to die and come back to life. I'm so grateful. I've got some joy that my heavenly father conquered death and sin. Restoring to me the joy of my salvation. Uphold me with your generous spirit. I think that's a beautiful text. Renew me and uphold me. But how many of you have allowed other things to deplete the joy in your life? 
I want you to know, will you turn to John chapter 15, verse 11? I want all of you to turn there electronically on your phone, whatever you're using. I want you to look at John 15, verse 11. And I want you to see, this is the will of God for your life. Look at John 15, verse 11. The Thanksgiving challenge, pursue joy, not happiness. John 15, 11, this is the will of God for every Christ follower. This is just not for some elite group. Sometimes we look at Christianity, oh, that's just for that elite group. No, this is for you. Look what it says, John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be, hold on, that your joy may be, what does it say, church family? Full. Here is David realizing David understood what it meant to have the joy of salvation. And now that joy is depleted in his life. And now he's asking God, give me that joy back. Can I tell you, it is the will of God for everybody in this room and everybody listening. It is the will of God that your joy is full. So I want to ask you a question I'm going to ask you four questions today. Question number one, is your joy depleted? I mean, if we had a, if we had a joy meter... Or if we had a joy tank... I mean, would your joy tank... Would it be full? Would it be halfway? Or would the light be on? I know some of y'all, when, when your light comes on in your car, you know exactly how many more miles you can drive and you've tested it. Anybody like that? I mean, you're going to drive until the light comes on. Light doesn't come on, I don't need gas. Hey, the light's on, no big deal. We can go 44 more miles. So you know what? Maybe we need to put a gas can in our car for you. We will help you. All right, joy meter. Is the light on or it's full? You know what? John 15, 11 said, he wants our joy to be full. But you know what happens? All of a sudden, people come along and we start pouring ourselves out. And we get depleted. Do you know what will deplete our joy? Write these couple things down. People will deplete our joy. There's some people that will come around in our life and certain, I mean, people will deplete us. Some of you right now, your joy meter is not very good good because you've allowed some people to deplete it. Uh, let, me, let me show it to you in the Scripture. Look at Mark chapter 1. I want you to turn there electronically in your Bible. Look at Mark chapter 1 verse 35. I want to encourage you. Look at Mark chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 33 actually. And Mark chapter 1, verse 33, Jesus in his ministry. And look what it says in verse 33. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. I mean, everybody in the city was with Jesus. 
Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. I think that's interesting. Lord, that would be a good sermon, wouldn't it? And the demons knew him. So here is Jesus. There's so many people. It says the whole city was there. And, And let me tell you what. People sometimes can deplete us of our joy. Notice what Jesus does in Mark 1.35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to his solitary place, and there he I mean, here is Jesus doing all these miracles. He's healing all these people. Can I tell you what? He was even worn out. So in the midst of him being worn out and depleted by people, what did Jesus do the next morning? He got away with his, got some time with his father. But here's what I put this. People can deplete us. Second thing, write this down. Certain people can deplete us. You got an amen on that? I mean, there are certain people, I mean, can y'all, can y'all relate this? There are certain people, when you see them, you just want to start undoing your sleeves and rolling them both up and say, all right. I mean, when there, there are some people that when you see them, I mean, you know, oh boy, here they come. The question that you ask is, You don't ask if you're mad about something. You ask them, what are they mad about? You know they're going to be mad. They're always mad. Or or what about that person? You know that person you ask? I mean, there are certain people that can deplete your joy. I mean, you're asking them, all right, what are you grumpy about now? I mean, there's people that I know and... I mean, it's not the question if they're grumpy. It's not the question. It's just what they're grumpy about at the moment. So may I ask you, are you that person? What can deplete us? People, certain people, write this third thing now. You know what I think really can deplete us along the way? Um, problems in life or busyness. Business, we can get really busy and get really depleted. You know what I've learned about us? We learned, hey, if I cut back working a little bit, we'll just fill it up with something else. The other day, I, had a, I actually had a window of a couple hours. I didn't have something to do, and I told him, I don't know what to do. I always have something to do. I, I don't have to answer anything. I don't have to be answering the phone right now. I, Amy, is it really okay? I can sit down and be quiet. And Amy said, yes, you can. It is, it is not a sin to sit down and rest a minute. Hold on, let's just stop. You know what? Sometimes we get so busy it depletes us. Fourth thing is I put down our problems. Our problems can deplete us. We can have, I mean, our health problems, our pains, our financial problems, financial things. And here's what we go. People come along and we pour out. Then all of a sudden along, that certain person comes and they take a lot. Then all of a sudden, we we get really, really busy and we're just keep putting, I mean, keep going and going. The next thing you know, we got all of these other problems that come. You know what? Something else that can bleed us is sin. When we get sinful in our life, sin depletes us of our joy. So here, here's what's happened. We've poured out, we've poured out, then all of a sudden, 
I, I can't. It's empty. Truth is the matter. That's several of you in this room. Your joy is depleted. The questions, first question is, is your joy depleted? Second question, what is joy? If, if we're talking about joy, what is joy? Is joy happiness, yes or no? No. That's why the Thanksgiving challenge for these last eight minutes, the Thanksgiving challenge is that you are going to pursue joy and not happiness. Happiness is based upon happenstance. You're going to have some happenstances this week. You're going to have some circumstances in this week. Some of you are going to have some expectations of Thanksgiving, and it's not going to happen like you want it, and your happiness is not going to be there. But I've got some great news for you. You can have joy without having happiness. Pursue joy, not happiness. Here's what I'll explain it. Happiness to me is like a thermometer. Happiness is kind of like a thermometer. A a thermometer is just measuring the temperature at the moment. That thermometer outside is measuring the temperature outside. Happiness can go up and down, whether it's hot, whether it's cold. It is kind of like a thermometer. Happiness can be all over the place. Can I tell you, happiness is like a thermometer. Joy is like a thermostat. A joy is like a thermostat, and the thermostat is set. It doesn't matter how hot it is. It doesn't matter how cold it is. It doesn't matter what's going on the outside. The thermostat has been set. Joy is a thermostat that can stay. No matter what is going on out there, no matter what is going on financially, no matter what is going on with those people, no matter what's going on, can I too, it is the will of God that you are full of joy. So here's the challenge. I want you to pursue joy this week. Here's the reason why. You cannot manufacture joy. Joy comes from God. Here's here's what we try to do. Well, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be really joyful today. I'm going to be joyful. And then 30 minutes later, somebody cuts you off on ISB and all of a sudden you realize it's gone. You cannot manufacture joy. Joy only comes from God. So I I found this definition of joy, and I want you to write this down. Here's the definition of joy. Joy is when is a supernatural delight in the purpose, in the person, the purpose, and the people of God. What is joy? I want us to, to pursue joy. And that is that we want to find our delight in the supernatural power of who God is. I want us to find the supernatural residence of our life is in Jesus. Delight ourselves in the purposes of God, that God's got this. I want you to 
delight and, the, and God's people that have joy. If you wanted to tell me, who's a person that I know that is full of joy, that I know his name is called Lyman B. Smith. Lyman B. Smith is 95 years of age. But if he were to walk into this room, uh, my, my kids love Lyman B. Amy does, my family. We love Lyman B. He's 95 years of age. He's probably the most attractive person I've ever been around in my life. Why? Because he is attracting me to Jesus because he is so full of the joy of Jesus. Does that mean his life has been easy? No. He's had four children. One of them was special needs, and that special needs child has died. All of a sudden, one of his other children gets a horrible disease and dies. All of a sudden, one of his other children's spouses get a horrible disease and die. And right before we moved here, I buried his wife, Carol. They had been married 75 years they had been married. 75 years they had been married. But can I tell you, the very next Sunday morning after I buried his wife, we had walked through all these children that have died, walked through all this stuff. I watched Lyman B. Smith come and sit in the same place he sat every week, and I watched him raising his hand and praising the Lord, and I watched the attractiveness of the joy of Jesus flow through him. Why? His delight was in his God. My, my, I, I, my kids have heard me say this all the time. I say, guys, Lyman B. Smith is showing us what it looks like to mature and grow and develop in the Lord. I'll never forget, I was preaching a sermon. It was pretty hard-nosed. I mean, pretty hard-nosed about stuff. And I'll never forget, the next week... Lyman B came to me and said, Eric, you were preaching right at me, and there's some things in my life I'm just, I'm just giving to the Lord. I went, that's what it's supposed to look like. If our joy meter is going to be full, we got to delight in the person and the purposes and the people of God. Write this third question down. I've got two minutes. Third question. Why should you pursue joy? Pursue joy and not happiness this week. Let me give you four quick words. Why do you pursue joy? Because of the glory of God. For the enjoyment of God. Why am I going to pursue to be delighted in the person and the purposes and the people of God? Why am I going to pursue that? Write this down. It should come up on the screen. Because of the glory of God. Can I tell you, the scripture tells us whatever we eat, whatever we drink, whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. When we are pursuing joy, we are pursuing the glory of God. I mean, man's greatest purpose is to glorify God. Part of glorifying God is enjoying God. Somebody said, well, Eric, what do you explain? How, what does it mean to glorify God? I say, enjoy God. I mean, Amy and I, Amy sitting down here, we've been married 24 years. I love all of you guys in this room. I love you abundantly. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'd rather be with her in this room than anybody else. I enjoy being with Amy. You know what joy is? God, I enjoy being with you.
enjoy it. Why am I going to pursue joy? The glory of God. Right this second thing. Now this is incredible. Second thing because we experience the kingdom. Matthew 13 verse 44 tells the story that they find a treasure and the treasures in the field and the man goes and sells everything that he has. And it's a joy to sell everything that he has because the treasure is the kingdom of God and he found it and he's willing to sell everything that he has in order to get the kingdom. Can I tell you why? Why do we want to pursue joy? Because we want to experience the kingdom. Write this third thing down. Why do we want to pursue joy? Because it helps us fight against sin. When we are pursuing joy, then the desires of our life, the longings of our life are then satisfied in the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, is a powerful scripture where they were pursuing satisfaction in life and things that they were doing themselves. They had left the satisfaction of the Lord. Can I tell you, when we pursue joy, we are pursuing that we are satisfied in Christ alone. Write this fourth thing down. Why do we pursue joy? joy because it's what Jesus did. Can I show it to you? Can y'all turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and I'm done. Hebrews 12 look at verse number 2 this is awesome. Hebrews 12 verse number 2 look what it tells us. Why do we pursue joy for the glory of God? Why are we going to pursue joy to experience the kingdom? Why are we going to pursue joy that helps us fight against sin? Why are we going to pursue joy? It's exactly what Jesus did. Look what it says in Hebrews 12 verse 2 Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy, what was Jesus doing? He was finding his delight in who God is. Look what it is. And for the joy, what was he doing? And the purposes of God. Look at this. And for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down the right hand side of the right hand of the Father of the throne of God. Look at this. He found joy in the purposes of God. What do we do? We do what Esau does in Hebrews 12 verse 16. Listen to it. Esau did said this. Lest there be any fornicator, profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birth right. Listen to Esau at the moment. He was more concerned about the moment of his happiness than the long-term joy of his soul. So how do we pursue joy? How do we pursue joy? How do we do that? Make it a priority in your life. How do you pursue joy? Make it a priority in your life. This week, I want you to make a priority. I want you to pursue joy because when you're pursuing joy, you're pursuing Christ. Not only do I want you to make it a priority in your life, I want it to become a discipline in your life that you're pursuing 
joy. Make it a priority. Make it a discipline. Here's what you got to do. Enjoy God. Make it a priority. This Thanksgiving week, make it a priority to pursue joy in Jesus. Be disciplined in it every day. Some of our joy meter is not very good. Jesus says, I want your joy to be full. So here's the invitation. Just a moment, Pastor Ken's going to lead us. We're going to stand. Nobody's going to move until we do that. We have the invitation. If your joy's not full, why don't you come and do what David did? God, restore the joy of my salvation. God, would you restore the joy? I want my joy to be full. Some of you might say, well, Pastor Eric, I don't know if my joy can be full because I don't know if my name's written down the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't know if I'm saved. You know what? The moment we stand, if you're not for sure if you're saved or not, why don't you come? Those be pastors down front. See, you know what? I need Jesus today. I want my joy to be full. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you that David so simply prayed. Restore the joy of my salvation. Uphold me with your generous spirit. Lord, it is your purpose, it is your will that our joy will be full. And Lord, as full as we delight and who you are, when we delight in your purposes, when we delight in the people of God. God, you did not design it that our joy meter is on low. But Lord, our joy should be full. So, Lord, we pray, God, this day, may our joy be full. Right now, as no one's looking around, how many of you would say, Pastor Eric, my joy is not full. And today, I need to pray, God, restore the joy of my salvation. As no one's looking, just saying, well, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you say, Pastor Eric, my joy is not full at this moment. It's not. And I need to pray today. God, I need to, Lord, will you restore my joy? Right now, if that's you, you say, Pastor Eric, I need God to restore my joy. My joy is not full. If that's you, will you just lift up your hand? Just lift up your hand. Say, Lord, my, my joy is not full many of you 
You can put them down. Lord, may our joy be full because you are our delight. May we delight in you this day. In Christ's name, amen.